Yusuf Cat Stevens has a long and storied career in music. He's been inducted into the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame and the Songwriters Hall of Fame, earned a Lifetime Achievement Award at the BBC Radio 2 Folk Awards, the Ivor Novello Award for Outstanding Song Collection from the British Academy of Songwriters, Composers, and Authors, and won the ASCAP Songwriter of the Year Award in 2005 and 2006 for the same song. That award-winning song was not originally recorded by Yusuf, but by soul singer P.P. Arnold, who bought the song off of Yusuf in 1967 for 30 pounds, or roughly 655 U.S. dollars by 2022 standards. The former Iket turned the song into a modest U.K. hit, charting at number 18 on the U.K. singles chart. Arnold wasn't the only artist to turn the song into a hit. Between 1967 and 2003, six different artists have achieved commercial success with the ASCAP award-winning song. Keith Hampshire in 1973, Rod Stewart in 1977, Don Penn in 1994, Papa D in 1995, and Sheryl Crow in 2003. The song's near-universal appeal may be due to its subject matter, heartbreak, and trying to move on. Of course, there are countless songs on this topic, so it has to be something more. Could be that Yusuf simply coined the perfect phrase for a heartbreak we all experience at some point. That's right, we're wrapping up Lover Me with The First Cut is the Deepest by Yusuf Cat Stevens. Baby, That's right, it's Lover Me, the only podcast that compares famous love songs to their many cover versions to find out which one is the deepest. I'm your host as always, The Snake, joined by my first co-host, Alex Mildenberger. Alex Mildenberger, Number what's one. Going on? Just like the Olympics, they're happening right now, although I haven't watched that them. That is correct, the Olympics are happening, and just like every other time they've happened, now watch them. Yep. Is, uh, what, what, uh, what categories is Mario competing in this year? Went let all of them right teach all all categories. Did they let Sonic back after the whole doping scandal? <laughs> after the or doping he... scandal. I mean, it took a couple of years, I think, before they actually. You know, it's like they say Russia can't compete, but there's like, like athletes r- still from Russia Russian or athletes. whatever. So, yeah. like, he can't like represent Green Hill Zone or whatever. Right, <laughs> he's athletes <laughs> he from still... the Green Hill Zone region. Yeah, but he can still. Or I don't know. There's probably a planet. I don't know anything about the Sonic comics. I can't deep cut this, but Mobius. you know, Sonic runs fast. He does. He does run fast. Is it um, Mobius? So you think Eggman? Yeah, Mobius is the planet, oh, okay. I believe. Uh, but I've only read like half of one Sonic comic. Oh. That does it for our bit about the Olympics. Sonic <laughs> Just to, that's how we let you guys know we're actually alive and present it's the equivalent of holding up a newspaper yep that's why we talk about uh, dead people a lot but uh, i don't think there's anything relevant no the guy from foreigner anyway sorry no the guy from foreigner died i don't remember which guy though okay anyway going going up to heaven to write songs with god yeah Uh. (laughs) yeah (laughs) yes alex we're not talking about that though we're talking about yusuf cat stevens we are um how do you feel about saying his name that way? I don't know what would be preferable because I guess he goes by Yusuf. Yeah, his how, his how name we... legal name is Yusuf yeah. Islam now. Yeah, uh, but I know like over the years he's gone as different uh, stage names. I think he's returned to this now Yusuf Cat Stevens because 
it's more recognizable, you know, because he is Cat Stevens, or he was, I guess. Um, so I don't know. I, I imagine if I met him, I'd call him Yusuf, but I feel like it's a lot easier to refer to him as Cat Stevens because that's kind of what he's known as as an artist. Yeah, it's uh, it's kind of tricky. I listened to an episode of Song Exploder though, because I guess he recently released a like a redo of Tea for the Tiller Man. Yes, I actually listened to that recently. Kind of. Yeah, and they were talking about his version of Father and Son, which he uses an old '70s recording to sing the son parts, while he current oh. use of sings the the father parts. Very I might not interesting. Have made it that far. I'm not going to just try and steal the thunder of that episode, but. He called him, when he introduced him, he just said, I'm talking to Yusuf Cat Stevens. So I feel like that, and that's how he, like, like we said, that's how he's listed on things. So I feel like that's what I'm going to adopt for this yeah. episode, even if it is a mouthful. Yeah, that's probably, it's, it's only three words, right? It's three words, yeah. I, was, I can handle two more syllables. Yeah, and it, it's weird, because like, Cat Stevens is a, is a stage name, too, so it's like, I guess I'm talking about the performer True. Cat Stevens in this, when, like, when we talk about his version, it was performed by Cat Stevens. Yeah, but it's yeah. I don't know. It's a whole thing. It's a stage name. Um, and you know, just with, like with dead naming and you know people changing names a lot these days. I don't want to be on the wrong side of that. Yeah, I feel like with use of Cat Stevens, it's also pretty low stakes. But again, you wanna you wanna get it right on all levels. I yeah. think. Um, Alex, you picked this song this week. Do you I did? I I really only know this song by title until this week. I hadn't really gotten into it. Do you know this song a lot? Um, enough. I, I remember my sister used to sing it a lot, or at least I have a like significant memory of my sister singing it. Although I mm. forgot to ask her which version it would have been because I don't know. It was around um, the right time for it to be Cheryl Crow, right? That would check out, but there were a sister. couple other versions. Like, I don't know, maybe she was into the Hadaway version, and I don't think it was the original. No, or Rod I doubt Stewart? it was P.P. Arnold or Cat yeah. Stevens. I say, uh, yeah, I, I guess I mean the, the Cat Stevens version. Yeah. Um, or P.P. Arnold for that matter. But I, I, I don't see it being, like, I, I, don't, I don't know who it was. I, I, still, I still have to ask her. Well, let's know supposed to see her, and then I didn't. You didn't. Um, but we're, we see this. We see this song. I, the line, the first cut is the deepest, as I guess, like, coined by cat stevens we talked about last week how how uh bart howard claims he coined the the verbiage of fly like fly me here fly me there right um this seems to be the first instance i can find of the first cut is the deepest which is a phrase that seems ingrained into my mind as just being like something that's always been there yeah although i mean it's not maybe as obvious as some like like there's no reason as a metaphor, it, it works, I guess. But, like, mm-hmm. there's no reason why, if, so, like, you're cutting something, the first cut should be the deepest cut. Yeah, it's not like that's what they teach right? in med school yeah. or, like, it's like They're like, yeah, when cutting with this machete, like, make sure the first cut is the deepest one because it, that's important for some reason. Like, that's, mm-hmm. it's, it's just, as a, it makes sense as a metaphor. So Yeah, it's, purely yeah, not metaphorical logic. Although it does sound very natural nowadays. Mm-hmm. You're like, yep, first cut's the deepest. <laughs> You're like, yeah, I guess it is. Yeah. I guess it did cut um, pretty deep on cut, this bread here. Cut when a I steak <laughs> or an <laughs> onion. Except the first cut on an onion is, well, I guess it depends where on the onion. If you cut it in half. Anyway, I'm getting too Yeah, if you cut it in half, that's that's deep. You're yeah. right, Alex. That's the deep that's cut. That's the thickest, thickest part of the onion. I, I usually cut off one little butt first. But I guess if you're cutting it in half, I, I guess I do, I do cut the ends off first. Anyway, if... Yeah. I don't know, man. 
I don't know, but it feels like it's it always been cool. there. It feels like okay. something somebody would tell you when anything happens. Basically, yeah. whenever you're hurt, it Mathras gets deepest. Like romance. Mm-hmm. And this song is romantic, of course, a bit of a downer, but uh, it is. We got to have a downer sometimes uh, for for love or me, you know. Sometimes you sometimes know, all love, love comes a to bit an of end. A downer. That's right. And, and so let's talk about these lyrics. By accident, the first year, so we're just kind of running with it and pretending like we did it on purpose. Hey, don't let them know that. <laughs> Cut that. Always blowing up our spot, Alex. <laughs> like, yeah, we don't know what we're fucking talking about, though. Fuck. You know. There goes everybody who believed in us. They're like, oh, fuck these guys. <sighs> That's why I don't have any followers. Be a yeah, that you, you that. don't post anything for people to follow. Yeah. Um... I would have given you all of my heart. These are the lyrics now. Yeah. We're getting into them. them. But there's someone who's torn it apart, and she's taken almost all that I've got. I'm using the Cat Stevens version, because I figure that's how he wrote it. Um, P.P. Arnold has the genders reversed. But if you want, I'll try to love again. Baby, I'll try to love again, but I know. That's the first verse. Yeah, I mean, there's your story, because really, that's what the song is about. We've been talking about the title. The song is about a person who was in a romantic situation. And it didn't work out, and that um, they're still they're still not over it, but they're willing to uh, enter another romantic situation with a different person. Yeah. Anyway, despite the fact that they're clearly not better. ready. Yeah. Because yeah, he says I would have given you all my heart. Somebody else was basically is like I'm still hung up on my ex, who I guess we have to presume is his first relationship or is it just the first first, like love yeah right that's fair and is it the first person to break up with him i have to assume that she broke up with him right yeah i think it's just supposed to be like first heartbreak essentially right okay whatever that implies around that i guess it's kind of like the story is not told oh it's not like we got up and we went out for brunch and everything seemed fine and suddenly she was gone. Like, it's not like that. Yeah, and I said, what about <laughs> breakfast at Tiffany's? Yeah, exactly. Like, we don't get details about that. We just know he was into someone and that didn't work out and he is heartbroken about it. Yeah, I suppose that is fair. There is a looseness into it. I think that's why a lot of people come to it because like you said it is the first heartbreak whether that is you know an actual relationship something else he's still hung up on some person who has in some way broken his heart yeah but he wants to try and love again um his heart's torn apart he says that um she's taken almost all i've got so he he feels pretty spent he feels like he doesn't necessarily have room to love again yeah, and I think it's, uh, I'm trying to think of another time we brought this up. I was going to say another case, but it's a case of, like, he's clearly able to acknowledge the problem. And he's like, I know it's just bad because it's, like, the first time I went through it. And maybe uh, in the future, it's something you could get used to or more used to, you know. Um, but, like, still have to kind of accept that that's the way he feels. Right. It's a very, like, honest approach to a mm-hmm. relationship. I think he leans a little too hard on like, mm. and we'll talk about this in the chorus here, where he's like, "God, I just love that baby so much." But you know, I think I think he starts with a strong open, where he's like, "Listen, I'll try to love again, but here's here's the hang up, here's the issue. I'm gonna let you yeah. know straight up." So and he tells us, "The first cut is the deepest, baby. I know the first cut is the deepest because when it comes to being lucky, she's cursed. 
When it comes to loving me, she's worst. But when it comes to being loved, she's first. That's how I know the first cut is the deepest, baby. I know. The first cut is the deepest. Book ending the chorus with the title a few times. Yes. They, yeah. <laughs> That's two thick pieces of bread and then a couple, like, some thin slices of meat. Yeah. Which is, it's kind of like the repetitive structure there, you know, when it comes to this, which is this, when it comes to this, when, you know. So, yeah, it is, it is kind of thin, but it also is, I think, pretty memorable. Like, that's the part I've always sung along to uh, yeah. more so than the verses. Obviously, that's what choruses do, do. most of the time. And so it succeeds but, as a chorus. You know, yeah, it's, it succeeds. And I, not to mention, this thing won the, the Songwriter of the Year Award two years in a row, and not... In 1967, 2005, and 2006. Well, that's weird. It's very weird. How does that happen? Who? What? I don't know. How does it win two times in a row? Yeah. Is it? I don't. I feel like that was a mistake. Like they had a I don't show know what they're doing over at ASCAP. On New Year's but... Eve. And like they were announcing the award right at midnight. And they're like, shit, wait. No, it's actually the next year. And right. And they said it was. But also the at... songs from the 60s. Yeah. It's from 67. Who gives out that award? I don't know. They're a, they're a strange organization yeah. that I refuse to look deeper into. Good. But, I don't uh, want to think about them anymore. I don't want think about them anymore. Um, they're sloppy yes. award giving. So, so when it comes but, to... So, yeah, I think... Yeah, go ahead. First, what is... I, that's a line I'm not totally sure. What does it mean when it comes to being lucky? So she's not lucky. He's calling like, her I, unlucky. <laughs> but why is the person that, who broke his heart unlucky? Well, I think for that reason. For because she broke his heart. Yeah, so she was not a she was not a source of luck for him because it ended in heartbreak. Oh, I see. I agree. It's stupid. (laughs) Yeah, it's it's not her that's unlucky. She's not having bad luck for herself. She's causing bad luck for someone else, which is him. Exactly for him, and he's in fact cursed by her because he he is um as as we come to it when it comes to being loved, she's first. So despite she's not a good luck charm. The ill nature of her, he's he's still in love with her, which yeah. in fact she adds to that him. cursed she's nature. Bad specifically at loving him. <laughs> yes, when it comes to loving me, she's worst. That's very funny. Like, it's she's, <laughs> she's she, like you know, if you're to rank people who love me, she's last or something. I don't know. Yeah, it's like uh, of all the people who love me, I've been loved quite a few times in my life. Yeah. She's the worst at it. She's just really awful at it. But like, uh, I mean, in terms of people that I love, in terms of being loved by me? Wow, number one. Amazing. Number one. Top of the pops here. She's like, dude, she's just not into you. You gotta get over it. Yeah. And he like he acknowledges that. He knows that on a uh like a a base level, he understands that, but in terms of applying that knowledge to his life, he hasn't reached that yet. Yeah, that's how he knows the first cut is the deepest, baby. Baby. Yeah. And I guess that she she's first and the first cut, she 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 is literally the, the first cut. True. First, her cut. The first cut. cut. So that's possibly two levels. First place, also first chronologically. Wow. Yeah. Amazing. Look at that. Um. Yeah, but that's it. He's saying like she's bad for me in two ways, but I still love her. Yeah, and that's your just... that's your thin that's your thin chorus capicola. Yeah, that's <laughs> just just layered on there neatly. Um, and, and that is that verse. I'm that chorus. Then we come to. Come to verse two. Yeah, definitely. I was thinking sourdough for the bread. Yeah. 
Maybe the top sourdough, the bottom's ciabatta. It's a weird <laughs> Mix it sandwich. up, yeah. <laughs> Buy two buns that are the same shape and just cut them in half and swap them. All right, sorry, getting off topic. Easy. Apparently, um, I'm hungry, uh, which I hey. just ate, so I shouldn't be. <laughs> well, um, you know what? I can always eat more. I still want you by my first side. Two. Fuck. First two. Still want you by my side. Just to help me dry the tears that I've cried. Because I'm sure going to give you a try. And if you want, I'll try to love again. But baby, I'll try to love again. But I know. I know. Um, this is where he get, comes off as a little selfish to me. He does. He does. Because clearly, in the first one, he's like, yeah, I think I could try to love again but then in the second one he says that obviously but it sounds more like he's just saying he kind of doesn't want to be alone and like wants someone else to be around him yeah i still want you by my side just to help me dry the tears that i've cried yeah which is a lot to put on somebody that from context it feels like you just met him yeah but it's also i mean it's it also sounding I'm gonna give you a try doesn't necessarily sound that great either. Yeah, I do think the intention is like <laughs> I will try to love you like like unselfishly. But and it's really weird. Just looking though. at the words, it does kind of sound selfish, and maybe it's kind of supposed to be. Because he says I'm sure gonna give you a try, and then he says, and if you want, I'll try to love again. So those are two different statements. I think try is being used in two different ways here. Okay. Cuz I think he's say I think he's saying and I'm I'm putting myself in a 1967 state of mind. Right. Um I'm going to give you a try is like we can fuck. Right. And if you want, I'll try to love again as well. Like <laughs> Here's the thing, we're for sure going to bone. And, and if you're maybe interested, something happens, but it's kind of on you. I'll try. It's kind of on you. So don't blame me if this goes awry. Yeah, it's a little questionable. Maybe it's just the wording. Yeah, well, it's very weird for him to say, I'm sure going to try, and then, if you want, I will try. Yeah. Because that's that's two different <laughs> statements on whether he's trying. That's true, yes. And maybe, yeah, yeah he was pretty young when he wrote the song, so... Sometimes songs kind of have that indication of, like, lack of experience. Mm-hmm. Um, and also, um, having been written in the 60s when, you know, things were different things were different in the 60s they stopped being different in the 70s onwards it's all been yeah. the same since then just the 60s? 60s yeah very strange time uh that's it that's all the lyrics that is because he just sings the chorus again there's like a bit of outro but it's not new stuff no just uh and like you said that chorus is what you remember and that's what makes up the vast majority of this song mm-hmm Number one song of all time, 2005-2006. That's right. Best written song of the years 2005 and 6. There's got to be something else going on there. Was it, like, how could you, it doesn't make sense to give a songwriting award to a cover, right? So it's not like that was what it was, is it? No. And to be clear, the award is Songwriter of the Year, which is more general, but he was given it for this song in 2005 and 2006. I don't understand. I don't wish understand. I could elucidate, elaborate, give you some other piece of information, but <laughs> I really don't That's have that. Very strange. Um, so the first version of this we actually get, and it's pretty close in terms of timing because P.P. Arnold and Cat Stevens version, use of Cat Stevens versions, both come out in the same year. Yeah. 
67. Um, 67. So she comes out first. Uh, she's a, she began her career as an Iket with Ike and Tina Turner. So that was one of the backup singers. Mm-hmm. Um, and her other big song, this was a pretty moderate hit. And then she has Angel in the Morning. Yeah, my angel of the morning. morning. Of course, yeah. I know the Shaggy version. Yeah, I don't know which version. Uh, Closer than my was. peeps you are to me, <laughs> baby. I want to show the nation of my appreciation. You know, he does exactly. a little bit of toasting in there. Hers was a bit older than that. I think it was also in the Yeah, 60s. just a bit. <laughs> yeah, um, it was, uh, I think, like the year after this song. Yeah. So she had a couple hits then, and I think kind of fell out for a while. Apparently she was a backup singer in Sledgehammer. Okay. By Peter Gabriel. Fuck um, yeah, great song. That's cool. Um, but yeah, this is this is P.P. Arnold. I didn't actually check what the two P's stand for. Um, Patricia. Patricia is her first name. Might just be her name is yeah her like birth name is Patricia. So yeah, I or where does the name, Arnold come from? Her name's Patricia Ann Cole. Yeah, that might just be like a stage name. Like if yeah. like if J.R.R. Tolkien just made up the R's. Mm-hmm. Do you think there was a, another uh, another singer of the time called? Poo-poo Sylvester. <laughs> Sylvester? What? I'm thinking like Arnold, like Arnold Schwarzenegger, Sylvester, Sylvester Stallone, Stallone, two action stars. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you got to reference future uh, movie stars, right? Yeah, that's, uh, that's how they did it back names. in the day. P.P. Arnold and Poo-poo Sylvester. <laughs> Poop. Oh, uh, but what does the song sound like? Uh, hang on, do you think Doo-doo Sylvester would have been better? <laughs> Um, uh, it would definitely rhyme. All right. Um. Yeah. So let's let's talk about what the the PP Arnold version sounds yes. like. Um. Uh, what does it sound like? I mean, it's definitely old school. I'm gonna say that about a few of the old ones because they're old school. Um. And the first two are pretty similar. Uh, the yes. second one we're going to talk about is Yusuf Cat Stevens. Um, they start with this arpeggio. Uh, this one, I wasn't totally sure what it was on. It sounds like it might be like a harp and a celesta or like a high piano. Yeah, something like that. But there's, it does sound there's like some real, real pizzicato going on on those, uh, yeah. those notes. They're very... Uh, They're definitely like plucked strings. Definitely plucked. Um, or struck strings, but not like ringing out. Um, yeah. The chords themselves are actually pretty simple. They're tell me about them. I mean, they're just major triads. Um, I I I actually looked up a, uh, I looked the song up, but also like just watched him play them. Uh, and mm. by him, I mean Yusuf Cat Stevens in like 2015. Pretty easy. Like you just, they're just like yeah, major triads. Very simple. Strum, yeah, I guess that's uh, what. Doo, 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 doo. Oh yeah, that's easy. Mm-hmm. Very, very, very simple chords. Well, um, yeah, what we're gonna notice on these first two is we start out with this nice softness, and this one, of course, bringing in the the sort of weird instruments, like you said, this like uh, harpsichord or some kind of clav, some kind of things going yeah, well, on. I here think that's... it's actually a harp, maybe. But I yeah, don't know. maybe I just think a harp. Two instruments. Playing together. Yeah. Um. So already it gives it a 
a aged feel, not a dated feel, but like aged. It feels because when we come to use of Cat Stevens, we get guitar off the bat, and that's like yeah, a, feels a little more modern. Yeah, I guess so. Of just like a guy singing with acoustic guitar, and that, but then other stuff comes in. That's a little yeah, it's a little um, more like timeless more. in its structure than a harp fucking introducing a pop song. Yeah. Yeah, that doesn't happen all that much anymore. But it does no. have like that kind of bright guitar going on too. Yeah, it does. Part, the little licks. And that's definitely like feels older. Mm-hmm. Um, you get P.P. Arnold's vocals coming in, which are she's an American soul singer who who moved to the UK. She sounds like an American soul singer. She's got a good voice. Yeah, she does have a good voice. Um, it's a little more, she puts a little more power into it from the start. I mean, we're comparing it to the Yusuf Cat Stevens version already. Um, I think that's fair to do. They're yeah, pretty tightly they were, released. Yeah. Close together. So mm-hmm. she definitely starts like higher and then it gets even higher because like, really she mostly sticks with the arpeggios until the chorus. Mm-hmm. But then once you have the chorus, it's like there's a little guitar lick and then it's like strings and horns. Actually, this one also has a thing where it kind of treats the the first cut as the deepest line. Mm-hmm. That is in the chorus, definitely in the Cat Stevens version. It's more of a pre-chorus here. Um, yeah. Because once we hit that, it like brings in some low end and there's like some bass and drums. Um, in fact, the first couple of lines are like all bass pretty much and maybe a little. It might be low piano, actually. Yeah, that like, doom, yeah, doom, doom, like doom, low bassy notes and then doom, drums. Doom. Yeah, um, and then some backup vocals. Yeah, when it comes to being lucky is when it really kicks up into this big, yeah. like it gets your full energy. Yeah, the horns. But yeah. there's horns before they kind of do a little like crescendo. Yeah, they do these then... stings at the end of uh, the lines, and then uh, and then coming big in the chorus. Yeah. But, yeah, uh, and you get string in there as well. But overall, like even in the chorus, there's sort of uh, the the all, most of the instruments, but the horns and the strings are just playing along with this, like pretty much just f- like I'm saying four on the floor. Like we're really like hitting all four beats really yeah. hard. It really is like a dum 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 bum bum yeah four, and then like the the strings and the horns are kind of playing around that. Yeah. Whatever. Yeah, for a song uh, that has weight to it, it's a bit weighty to be like, listen, I want to try to love again, but I am hurt. Yeah. The chorus is almost triumphant. Both this one and the and the use of Cat Stevens version are like big. Yes, which I was a little I'm that surprised by, but a little bit. It changes yeah, later on, but changes later on, but yeah, it's like it's like <laughs> it's very it, feel, it comes off as being unabashedly like still in love with your ex. Yeah, it it feels <laughs> more prideful than maybe. I mean, we were talking about how verse two maybe is a little questionable, but the song, mm-hmm. certainly the early ones, don't really address that. Well, the later no. ones don't really either. But, you know. Maybe we're reading into it too much. I don't know. But, maybe. Um, yes, it totally, totally breaks out in, in the chorus. Um... But I guess they're also giving off like a piece of, it's sort of like a reassuring slogan or motto, right? It's like, yeah, this is why and, this and like hurts. Said, the first cut honest. is the deepest. It's, it's yeah. like, 
it's probably better to say this than to not, right? Like, mm-hmm. ultimately, if you said nothing, that would be the worst case scenario versus this. And you're like, just so you know, you know, I am not in the best place. But I think maybe something could happen here. Mm-hmm. Um, it kind of reminds me, not necessarily thematically, but of something I read um, about the Beatles, uh, specifically Help, when John Lennon was talking about how uh, the song Help, which I never thought much about, but in some interview he said he liked it because it was like honest, mm. which I had never really thought of it that way. But it's literally like, hey, <clears throat> I need help. Like, I can't do yeah. this, you know? It's a very vulnerable song. But um, I didn't think of it that way because it was just like this poppy song that was on my parents' Beatles CDs, right? Oh, yeah, you think of it, because it, it makes that help so catchy. Help! Need somebody! Help! Not yeah. just anybody! The point yeah, being, it's very it's fun. It's a very vul- fairly honest and vulnerable thing to say, even if mm-hmm. it's not necessarily presented that way. Yeah. and Or not immediately, the- obviously, presented that way. And maybe there is something in presenting it in, a, in an upbeat context to be like, you know, you're smiling through the pain. You're like, this is my problem. Yeah. I still love my ex. And I'm a little bit sorry, but I still love my... Like, it's... But I'm ready to try to move on. Like, acknowledging yeah. that you're not totally better, but you could still do something in the future. Yeah, you're like... Because you acknowledge that at least you have to try, right? Yeah. The song is like, I'm in pain, but I'm, I'm rallying. That's a bit of it. Maybe that's what the, the chorus is supposed to represent. Yeah, I think so, and it does. It it does. I mean, the horns help. Pretty yeah, I mean, horns are just kind of a triumphant sound. Um, a lot of the time, and they do that here. Yeah, they play it low at the start there, right, and that sort of pre-chorus section where it's just kind of boiling under. But yeah, mm-hmm. you hit the the proper meat of the chorus, that capicolo, like gabagool <laughs> as they call it, and then it's like you're like, oh shit, yeah. First cut is the deepest. Yeah, and like, and that's kind of how this this version works. Like we do that later, goes n- another verse, another chorus, does some of the arpeggio, and then it jumps right into like an outro. Yeah, um, and it's uh pretty much to let her shine. We get backing. Yeah, vocals. a lot of vocals. The fast cut is the deepest, and her just letting it rip. Yeah, a lot of uh, ad libbing she does closer to the end. Of course, mm-hmm. we get that a lot in outros. We do get that a lot, and I will say because we'll talk about. The the last version here, which has some kind of ad-libbing that goes off course, she sticks with the theme here. She just kind of takes the words and is like, the first cut is the deepest. Oh, Lord, it sure is. Like, shit like that. Just reinforcing the point rather than trying to, like, throw a little, uh, throw a little English on it, you know, put a little spin on it. Right. Yeah, so pretty solid version powerful vocal performance uh mm-hmm. i thought the guitar sound was interesting it's kind of like this dry wah sound with not very much sustain uh yeah very muted that was kind of interesting um and the backup vocals early on at least are very quiet like i almost didn't notice them yeah uh, they, they are pretty quiet so the levels are like i don't know maybe a little off but they're, they're nothing nothing major yeah, and when the real draw is P.P. Arnold singing, like, the backing vocals do their job of backing her, I yeah. guess. Like, even if you can't hear her, I'm like, she doesn't really need it. Yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, let's talk about use of Cat Stevens in the same year. We've talked about it a bit already because a lot of the composition is similar. Baby, I'll try to love again, but I know. Yeah, we have. It does do some similar things, but it's more guitar focused. Um, that first arpeggio in particular is on the guitar. Um, mm-hmm. And because it's on the guitar, it kind of adds like a little slide sound as he slides the chords around. So you kind of yeah. get more of that, which you don't get on the piano. Um, and also similar to the first one, didn't mention this, but there's kind of a weird echo on both of them. It's like a very That's low right, end yeah. echo. I don't know if it's, a sp- it reminds me of like a spring echo, but I don't know if that's exactly what it is. Yeah, it's a very like picture kind of like loose cave echo. Yeah. Like it's not quite cavernous and like bouncing and bouncing and bouncing, but just kind of far off. Yeah. Yeah. That sounds like right. Just the tinge of that. Yeah. And it's, yeah, v- kind of fairly quiet. Is a little weird. Um, was it totally necessary? I don't know, but it's fine. It's hardly even noticeable. <laughs> yeah, it's it's one of those things. Like, if it was gone, would I miss it? Probably not. So, does it add anything? I guess not. <laughs> but yeah. it's there. Yeah, it's, it's the style. Maybe it was just because you know they recorded these around the same time. Mm-hmm. They were clearly in contact where they could sell things. For, how much did you say the song was purchased for? Thirty like, pounds. Thirty pounds. There was another thing. I think it was on uh, the Cat Stevens Wikipedia page. It was he's talking about like his parents bought him a guitar when he was young, but it was like they paid three pounds for it, and then in brackets two hundred pounds in today's money. Damn. Whew. That inflation really makes things weird over time. It, uh, yeah, it really anyway, does. getting off topic. Talking about inflation. Um, th- this one definitely more in like the. I guess like the UK rock style of the time, uh, mm-hmm. in particular the the bright guitar sound. There's like an electric guitar, uh, and also the drums. Like there's a drum fill, um, leading into yeah. the chorus that really makes me think of like the Beatles or the Who, uh, you know, kind of contemporary artists. Um, and I mean, if you look at, I mean, this isn't. Like, the artwork this has, which is from New Masters, is him back in the day. He's got, like, this cravat on. He definitely has, you know, looks like The Who did for a while when they were kind of a mod thing. Right. Anyway. Yeah. And so, yeah, you mentioned those drums. Those will really set up the future of this song. Because if there's one thing that is kind of consistent in a lot of these covers, is that they like to go a little wild with the drums. Whether it's a drum rolls or just like an alternative drum beat, like the first one was four on the floor for a lot of the drums. And then from here on out, it's just like, we're going to play it fast and loose with the rhythm. Yeah. And uh, here it's an interesting sound, too, I think. Like, yeah, it's, it very, truly it's is. very rumbly. Mm hmm. So, yeah, it's another very like gentle, tender start because you get the, uh, the guitar. And sweet, gentle Cat Steven vocals. He doesn't have that. He's not drawn from that same well of power that P.P. Arnold draws from. No, he definitely, like, starts from a lower place. Yeah. Um, He's trying to lay the news on sweet, whereas P.P. Yeah. Arnold is coming from a place of strength and being like, I got to tell you how it is, and we're not yeah, going to fuck But even he here. gets excited. He does, yeah. Uh, once we hit the chorus, for sure. 
Yeah, you can't stop them from going up on that chorus. And I'm wondering, because, like, this is pretty early in, you know, his material. Mm -hmm. Um, But, like, I I don't necessarily think he's straining against his, like, range. But you can definitely hear, like, when he hits the edges of it. And he sort of changes his voice register, which I think he used more to his advantage later on. It's kind of Mm -hmm. the sound of his voice. Because he's got, how would I describe his voice? It's almost like buzzy. Is that the maybe that's not the right word. Yeah, it's, it's very uh, distinctive. It is. Almost like he's almost got this like fry thing going on. Like if I want to imitate him. Mm-hmm. It's kind of a vocal fry sound, I think. When it comes to being that wasn't a very good. When example. it comes to being Yeah, it's like a a little nasal. As well? Yeah, a little nasal. He's not Bob Dylan, but, you know, he's got a bit of nasal. Anyway, interesting voice. Yeah, and he's got a, like, you're you're right. He does learn later to kind of use his upper range a little more, but you can hear him. It's it's when, around like 50 seconds, he says, when it comes, and you can hear the vocals kind of scratching there. Yeah. Yeah, that's exactly what I was talking about. (laughs) Yeah. Kind of sounds like he's straining, but, like, not too bad he kind of does it but like it's also just kind of what his voice sounds like i don't know yeah and it, and it's not like strain that comes off as bad singing it comes off as like flavor it's like gristle on a steak or something you know yeah Ooh. um but yeah so you get you do get a tambourine doing that four on the floor in the oh, chorus um, and we get a lot of guitar noodling in, in the back. There is, yeah. Even like, I mean, I'm thinking of the chorus. The guitar is really playing like a little riff. I wouldn't even say the riff itself is all that memorable. No. But I guess it's not the focus. I like, as much as I, this song is remembered, uh, I'm trying to think of like the actual elements from this version, and it's not like that many. No, it's, um,. And it is pretty similar to the first one. I think the difference is like it is that UK rock of the era, whereas PP Arnold with the soul take kind of harkens back to earlier, like like more fifties. It feels like with some of the instrumentation, and I guess maybe just the soul genre in general. Whereas this one's like let's it's nineteen sixty seven. We're gonna play this like it's nineteen sixty seven. Yeah, rock and roll is what's popular. Yeah, We're do so that. it's guitar. There's the piano. And then strings come in later on, basically. There, yeah, there yeah. are horns, though. Yeah, there are, there too. There are horns and strings in this version, too. They just come in a little later, I think. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and they do a fake out. They do. Because there's, so, like, there's an outro, but, like, right at two minutes, pretty much. Mm-hmm. They, like, stop... I might have the wrong timestamp on. It is right after the second chorus, isn't it? Or it's it stops before we hit the second verse. I might let me see. Hang on. Oh yeah, I was totally off. I don't have the timestamp though. Okay. Okay. Well, eleven thirteen. Two twenty one. Two twenty one. I was only twenty seconds off. Sorry. Okay. Um, where they like cut back down into the arpeggios and then they're just like, nah, just kidding. 
Oh, yeah. That's a big difference between, because that happens in the P.P. Arnold version, too, but they play out that arpeggio section a lot longer and don't do quite as sharp a buildup. Yeah, this is, like, very sudden, like, psych, we're back. Yeah, they really whip you back. And that's when your horns really kick in. Yes, horns. There are horns. Horns, strings. Everything's kind of high and bright. The guitar's going off. We get a very celebratory crying that I'm in love with my ex who doesn't like me. Yeah, he's pretty psyched about it. Um, But yeah, I'd say as compared to P.P. Arnold, it it is more gentle at first. um, And then like once it goes high energy, it stays there. Yeah. Pretty much. It's, it goes to, yeah, it goes up and kind of stay like the second verse is like it builds in the sort of typical fashion where you add in some instruments that were in the chorus and then you get a fake out, huge build at the end. He likes to go to sort of extremes. He's like Billy Joel in that way. <laughs> He's like Billy Joel like that. Um, <laughs> it's it's yeah. a Billy Joel kind of thing. And also, like, it's Cat Stevens' voice, which I happen to be familiar with and like know well. Yeah. Um, I don't know P.P. Arnold's voice very well. No. Um, But, mm -hmm. speaking of distinctive voices. Tell me about it, Alex. um, Well, we got this other version by Rod Stewart. Yeah, in the year 1977. Maybe I'll try to love again, but I know. Um, the first time we're talking about a Rod Stewart version from a time when he was actually a musician. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've talked about him a couple times before. Um, of, he did, I think, I don't know if they were all from the same cover album, but he did a cover, couple cover albums in like the mid-2000s kind of that yeah. were, we have not found very good covers on. They've been pretty lazy covers. Um, This is 1976, so, you know, Mm. this is right after The Faces, basically. Yeah. Um, And, you know, it's Rod Stewart. He's a successful artist. He's had lots of hits over the years. And this is one of them, for sure. Yeah, he also had that rumor that he had to get his stomach pumped because he ate too much cum. Yes, I mean, haven't we all? Haven't we all? No, apparently that was like a an angry. I think it was a record exec, somebody he fired. It was like his publicist or something. He's like started nah, the room. Done. Yeah, they're like, uh, Rod Stewart guzzled too much cum. Right, he just <laughs> loves <laughs> dick, man. Um, do you think that record executive suspected that that rumor would just be transferred to other artists indefinitely for like ever? <laughs> uh, you can never know, right? Apparently, it's... that is a pretty common thing to say about lots of artists. But oh, yeah. I think it probably. Well, it sounds like it started with, with our I boy think Rod. it started with Rod Stewart. Uh, but we're talking about this. The first cut is the deepest. Commercial success. Number one in the UK for four weeks. Number 11 in Canada. Number 21 in the US on the charts. Uh, you recorded this in Sheffield, Alabama at the Muscle Shoals studio. Uh, and this is... Kind of, kind of pulls a bit from both. Pulls a bit from Yusuf, Cat Stevens. Pulls a bit from P.P. Arnold. Yeah, and it's... I would say... Turns it more into a ballad. Yeah. Um, and doesn't 
have the same like triumphant sound in the choruses as mm-hmm. the other two. Of course, you know, there's probably some in between. But this this approach is going to be pretty common after this version. Yeah, this one really like he he's he's like this is a weighty thing I'm about to tell you. There's there's some heft to this. And he even excludes the line, but when it comes to being loved, she's first. Don't know what that means. He doesn't love her. Yeah, I, I feel like he's trying to, or he to pull away to from... Him. I think he's trying to... Because that line is kind of like a... Well, we can try, but she's... I love her first. He's trying to pull away from that and be more of a, I'm trying to love again, but I'm hurt. Ah, focus on the hurt. Mm-hmm. Excuse me. So we open with a what I think is a harp. Yeah. Sounds like a harp. It's got a bit of an odd... That's another thing some other versions inherit from this is like just an intro where you do some shit. <laughs> that's like completely disconnected from what the rest of what's going to happen. Yeah. It doesn't last very long though. And then it's like that guitar strumming. So a lot of it is just him doing that strumming that pattern. I don't know exactly what it is. It's not as noticeable here, but it's very, mm-hmm. very similar to Get Off My Cloud by the Rolling Stones. Okay. Just something I noticed. It has... I couldn't really pin what it was. I don't know Get Off My Cloud that well, but I loosely thought it sounded like something else. Couldn't yeah, it's more noticeable in another version, which I'll definitely bring up when we get there. Okay, excellent. But they took it from this, so... Yeah, and that, that guitar tone on it is sort of like rock ballad. Almost a little like John Mellencamp in terms of tone. It's got... I mean, you what did you say? It said it was it recorded in like... Did you say Alabama? Alabama, I did. Yeah, so there's like some Americanness there, you know? Yeah, there's there is like twang. an Americana feel to it. A little it's twang. Like a twang? I don't know if it's twang, but, you know, it's an acoustic guitar. Yeah. Um, and he's, yeah, going, it's, it's slower paced. It's, uh, it's Rod Stewart being very raspy because he rasps. I'm amazed that he can make sounds without causing himself, like his voice sounds painful. Yeah, like I just did that, and it feels like I just gargled gravel. Yeah, so uh, quite a sound, quite a tone, um, and it it kind of stays. I guess vocally, he doesn't. He doesn't. We kind of touched on this already, but he doesn't like go go really wild like like the other two. You know, they can get kind of shouty at times, but he yeah. keeps, it, keeps it low. Like you said, it's the it's more it's sadder. It's the sad. Mm-hmm. And even that said, like, the, the pacing on it's still pretty good. Like, it doesn't feel like sad piano slow. No, it's not that slow. That's true. Um, it's just slower. Yeah. So, like, you get that acoustic rhythm. There's some very simple bass to just kind of provide support and some pretty easy drums. Yeah. And even, like, as much as it is sadder, like, the guitar solo is not that sad. No, that's right. This it one does a bring in a guitar solo. Still does a guitar solo. Dan and a nan and a nan. Like, sounds mm-hmm. like a guitar solo. Not like crazy ripping guitar solo or anything. Yeah, it's not like hair metal or something cutting into the track. Uh, but yeah, that's, I guess, 
we've kind of described this version. I, I, that's that's kind of what it does. I guess the other yeah, way. it's it's pretty simple. I think I think it works effectively. I think he's yeah, playing to his strengths here. It's a different take, but like it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um, there is one weird thing I wanted to bring up. One specific mm-hmm. weird thing. Now you have a timestamp for it. Three twenty-three. Yeah. And what happens at three twenty-three? Um, is he's going into like the outro basically? Yeah. And it starts to double his vocals, and it's like weird. Feel, yeah, I hear like that. It wasn't totally necessary. <laughs> Yeah, I don't know. I guess it's not like a problem, but it it sounds weird for some reason. It, it is a little auditorily weird there, but I did want to mention that in these later ones, he doesn't go like up like the other versions do, but he does punch his singing a little bit. Yeah, that's true. He's still it's like more pained. Yeah, he's playing in that pained range, which is I I like again. I think he had a solid take on this. He's like, we're gonna focus on the heartbreak and the hurt. We're gonna. We're not gonna mire ourselves in it, but we're gonna. We're gonna look like a dude who's you know carrying the weight and struggling. We're gonna put that in the voice. I'm gonna carry it with some acoustic guitar. Yeah, but it's definitely very like. It doesn't have the same kind of more rock and roll feel of the use of Cat Stevens version. No, um, it's uh. You know, it's it's got the acoustic guitar. It's got strings, kind of playing gently, and uh, possibly a mandolin. Not a hundred percent sure on that. Yeah, maybe. Not it is a little more commercial thing, in, in its yeah. vibe. Not necessarily a bad thing, but it does yeah. feel like like the, the guitar solo feels obligatory more than it feels good or bad. That's true. That's true. It's like, this is 1977. I'm going to have a guitar solo. The song has a guitar solo, obviously. Obviously. And that's why this one's four and a half minutes. Like The, the first two versions are three minutes. <laughs> Yeah, that's this version. Did you watch the music video for this, Alex? I did. I did watch the music video for this. I forgot about it until just now, though. Yeah, it's very simple. There's not much to it. It's mostly not much hanging to it. out in like a garden or something, and there's a fountain. Yeah, this massive fountain that has like a, a staircase that has little, uh, oh, what yeah. you call it, like bowls. It's like a uh, waterfall effect through all these little different... I guess bird baths, all these little baths that fill up and then fall down to the next one, to the next one, to the next one. Yeah, so it we looks see, like a cool place. Yeah, cool we see Rod Stewart in this this kind of goofy-ass outfit. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it almost looks like Mod the Next Step. Yeah. He's got this kind of, like, I would say glam rock haircut thing, shag thing going on. Yeah, like 100%. Lots of stripes, but they're not, all, like, there's horizontal stripes on his... On his sweater, I'm going to call it. Uh, he's got a collar that's sort of popped, but he's also got this like blazer on with vertical stripes. And his pants are probably matching that. He's very yellow and blue. Yeah. On his white pants. So it's like a little mod, a little glam. Oh, yeah, I'm I guess sure my question to you, Alex, it. is do you think you could pull it off? Oh, yeah, definitely. Yeah, I feel like the look might work, you know. On, on a, on a, the weather's got to be good. It's got to be a good spring or summer day. That's true. I mean, you have to go with the flowers, right? Yeah. But if you go with the flowers, you're fine. Yeah. Just a little frilly. Just gotta Just get the right pants. Yeah. They're also That's like the old part, school, man. so they're like kind of flared at the bottom. Which I don't oh. know if those are coming back or going out again. I can never keep track. I think. We- they say we're moving away from skinny jeans, so maybe we're coming back to a flare. Flares? 
yeah, okay. But, uh, yeah, you'd have to hit the vintage store. Yeah, that's it. He walks up the staircase. He's sad and pensive about it the whole time. He shrugs a bit. Boom. You've just done the music video for Rod Stewart's the First Cut is the Deepest. Yeah. Easily the best Rod Stewart cover we've talked about on this show. Easily. <laughs> Not um, difficult, though. Not difficult. Not a high bar. Uh, which I also don't have a high bar of expectations for our next act, Defaction in 1994. D-Faction and Tony T. Yeah, I think the Tony T is inaccurate. Okay. So here's what I think is happening. It sounded a little odd, didn't it? They, yeah, so they're a South Auckland pop reggae group, so they're from New Zealand. Yeah. One of their members is named Tony T. Nogo Tautama. That's probably not how you pronounce that last name, so I apologize. Sure, but he's not the same Tony T. That's a British singer, rapper, and DJ? No, I don't. And this is the dub mix version of, of this track. Oh, that's possible. So I thought maybe this, this born in London Tony T. did the dub version, but I don't think... It just doesn't seem like their paths would cross. This very small New Zealand act who has two albums. Um, especially because a dub mix, I looked this up today, is a characterized as a version or double of an existing song that is often instrumental. Mm-hmm. And, you know, so typically it removes the main vocals, leaves the instrumentals in, and just it's so it's kind of like a dance track, but for, you know, reggae style music. Right. I mean, and this is not, does not have many lyrics in it. No, and the thing is, did you look up the music video for these guys? No, I didn't see it. So, they do have a music video. Uh, it's the one that says, first cut is the deepest, brackets, official video, exclamation mark, exclamation mark. And okay. that version in the music video is not the dub mix, and it is the whole track. Oh, I see. Yeah, and so interestingly enough, what they do for, I'll talk about, the, we'll mostly talk about the dub mix, because I think that's more interesting yeah. instrumental. That's to the only about. one I've heard. That's the only one you've heard. But they do it as a duet. Yes, so that they, seems to be the case. Yeah, they split up the lines in the chorus, so she'll say, like, when it comes to loving me, he's the worst, and he, she says when she comes to being lucky, she's cursed, whatever they flip them around. Mm-hmm. So that was kind of fun, but I think not pushed to its full extent, but I like the idea. Sure. And that's what yeah. I'll say of the original version, the, the non-dub mix, because that's not as apparent in the dub mix. No, because it's very much like instrumental. They really like get into the groove of it, mm-hmm. which is like pretty much just this like skank mm-hmm. on some... I mean... I don't think it's steel drums. It's it's more like Celesta keys. Yeah. But there's kind of some steel drum sounds, and there's a lot of, like, various, very tinny drum sounds. Yeah, that with massive echo on them, right? Yes. Yeah, and, like, there's a wah guitar that also comes in, kind of like the P.P. Arnold version. Yeah. Uh, pretty cool bass line. Yeah, you got a bass with a little groove on it. It sets up a nice groove. Um, like I guess you play like this. Stays there for a long time. Yeah, that's basically most what happens. And then you get way in the background some vocal lines. You'll get it starts with the the female vocalist. She goes, "The first cut is the deepest." Yeah, that's the most common line. Plays that yeah. a few times. 
Um, but most of the song, not vocals. No. And the rest of it is like a lot of repetition, so... Yeah, I've written here. It's like, what if you were having a jam session while someone next door was singing some lines from First Cut is the Deepest? Yeah, pretty much. Yeah, this one is like one to sway along to. Or yeah. you know, dance along to, I guess is a better way to say it. Yeah, it's it's a good, like, you'd cut it in the middle of a, like a, a wedding or or dance hall scenario. Like, it's something for the DJ to put on. Yeah. I do like the solo on this, though, because, again, having listened to the original version, it has a guitar solo. It's fine. On this one, because we're playing a lot with that echo and stuff, you get a much funner uh, version of it. Yeah, everything's very, like, tinny and mm-hmm. metallic. Uh, and the guitar solo is also that, but, you know, it's consistent, so it's got a neat sound to it. Yeah. That's having not echo. listened to a lot of dub mixes, I was, I was, I thought it was pretty good. I thought it was kind of cool. Yeah. I'd say I enjoyed it. I'd yeah. say I enjoyed it overall. Um, and I almost took it off, so I'm glad I didn't. Yeah, I, th- I think that was a good choice to leave it on. Because there's actually um, quite a few reggae versions of this song. Yeah, there really is. I wonder why that is. <sighs> I mean, there was like the, what is it, Dawn something version? Oh, Dawn Pen. Which I was going to swap for this one. Because okay. it was like the hit, right? But then yeah, I, that's I the, ended up not, because um, we got a few other hit versions yeah. to talk about. Um, and I almost wonder if that was like popular enough in reggae circles that it just got covered. But I don't right, know. that could be it. I don't know. Don't know. Yeah, I like the big drums on this. I like the 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 bass groove. The solo is fun, um, and the inclusion of lyrics is. Still good, I think. Obviously, we're we're missing out on the real meat of the song lyrically. But in terms of this, is basically a dance remix, which we've talked yeah, about on the show much. before, and we've talked about that. And they often have like sparser lyrics. Hmm. So I think functionally, it it works as a dance remix. I think it's something we haven't talked about on the show before, which is maybe why it's it's cool and interesting to us. I don't yeah. know if it's necessarily the best dub mix around, that but I thought true. it was pretty good. Um, and to talk about the music video quickly, briefly, mm-hmm. it's basically like footage of a family vacation with the two singing in front of it occasionally via green screen. <laughs> Which is fun. <laughs> it's yeah, kind of funny. <laughs> it's like old school, like weathered, very like bright uh, footage. Yeah. I don't know necessarily what that means. But yeah, all the colors are very bright. Yeah, it is very Maybe bright Maybe that stuff. just means it's sunny in New Zealand. Yeah, it's beautiful sunny New Zealand. It's, it has me hankering to go there, even though it just is like footage of a family cookout at the beach. <laughs> I'd have a family cook out of the beach in New Zealand. Hell yeah. For sure. I'd crash a family cook out at the beach in New Zealand. Yeah. Uh, but speaking of reggae, Alex, we do have another reggae version to talk about. And that we is... We do. Kind of. Like, I didn't think this of. was overly reggae, but it does, does get uh, grouped in with reggae versions. Uh, yeah. This artist, Papa D, in 1996. Baby, I tried to love again, but yeah, the is the the is the 
Swedish yes. rapper. Yes. Uh, notably born in Gothenburg. Just wanted to mention oh! that. Um, Papa D. Gothenburger. Which uh, is important because we have occasionally brought up Gothenburg. Um, yeah. I can't yes. remember how it came up before. I don't remember I th- why. It, I there was a band from there or something? Was, yeah, I'm thinking it was probably Alphaville or one of their covers for Forever Young. Yeah, I don't remember. That's my bet. Can't say for sure. Um, but, uh, but yeah, they still not change your name to Alex Gothenburger, so... Yeah, exactly. Um, and uh, was there anything else about this guy? Um, oh, yeah, right. I was going to mm-hmm. say, his genres are listed as hip-hop, raga, dancehall, and trip-hop. And I thought it was just misspelled, but raga or ragamuffin music is just a subgenre of dancehall and reggae so i guess they're related okay I, interesting. I, I hadn't heard of it before but that's his like genre and maybe that's just the difference is it's that subgenre but it's a subgenre of reggae right yeah so and it's it pretty clearly plays to those things so this is his most commercially successful track peaked at number five in sweden number nine in denmark and norway number 20 in austria and number 38 in iceland so this is a hit in like the other parts of <laughs> Europe, yeah, the rest of the world, yeah, or Europe at least. Um, it definitely this is ninety six, so mm-hmm. it definitely has a ninety six sound. I'll say that. Yes, like for this sure. makes me think of like pop hits, like R and B infused pop hits of the era. Yeah. And I don't really know where I can draw the line between that and like the dance hall and the raga or reggae or whatever. So I'm not going to try too hard. <laughs> no, I think you're playing in the right vein. I think you're in the right area with the R&B like, inspired mm-hmm. take. Because even the music video, and when I think R&B, I do think of sort of like sexually charged music. Um, and the music video has like a real, like, here's us being very intimate in what, in what turns out to be an elaborate blanket for it. But more on that later. Um this one has, but has some of that like uh, that darkness to it too, because we we pop in with that killer. Synth. I really like the synth on this. The that. synth is cool. That's like, it's got a couple things. It's got that synth and like the bass. Uh, the way is the bass. Um, yeah, but yeah, it's almost. That, you want to talk about stuff from the '90s, like Donkey Kong Country inspired? In, <laughs> it's yeah, I guess like so. It's kind of that like sound. MIDI-ish sound. Yeah. Um, yeah, so that's a good one, uh, or a good, and when I say one, I mean element. That's a good element. That's a good element. I love the synth on this. Um, and uh, most of the, like, R&B thing comes from, like, uh, his his voice, I think. He does mm-hmm. a lot of kind of runs and little showy things. Yeah, a bit of that, like, before he even jumps into the the verse, he goes like, oh, <laughs> Yeah, that part's interesting. Kind of get some bass on that. Later on, it like combines it with the bass. But that's, yeah. I guess, kind of a riff, too. So, definitely a very different feel, which is why I, you know, thought this was a good candidate. Turns yeah, out it was think, also a hit, so right on. Yeah, right on. And I think, yeah, it's it's got a good instrumental track. His 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 vocal performances of the time. It's, yeah, uh, it I don't definitely think he's a standout a vocalist by any means. Just but. because, you know, we don't do a lot of these things anymore. That's just how it goes sometimes. Mm-hmm. 
uh, just because, yeah, it's from a different time. Um, but it definitely has cool synth, and it does, like, there's a bit of a detectable skank, so it's got a bit of that, but it's got a good, it's got a good, uh, beat going on, you know? Yeah. And then it gets into everything in the chorus, so, yeah, it's a pretty good time. With yeah, good and like, like, and a rap is, verse. And, yeah, and a rap verse, or a, what might be a toast. Oh, yeah, toast. I forgot about that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was honestly thrilled when that came in. I was like, <laughs> I was like, this is good enough. Like he's put all the elements in there. It's got a yeah. little bit of a dark vibe, little R and B there, and then he comes out with the toast. I'm like, oh fuck yeah! <laughs> oh, I forgot. Yeah, um, I didn't understand all the words though in the toast. Did you get no? I tried to look them up and I I forgot to write them down. But it's yeah. pretty. He plays pretty Good. close to what the yeah, song's talking about. I, like first cut is the deepest, and then I like my not no lot. Don't know what he says there. Uh, I can promise you no tim- timba. Try me. Yeah, I go be, uh... try. First cut is the deepest, and some of those other sounds. I don't know what the words are uh listen a uh, baby girl listen baby girl uh me i go try to love again can't you make me feel strong don't know if that's what he says exactly but that's what i interpret it as yeah i um, think that's close enough baby girl we have a good thing going on yeah uh, try me i go try because it feels all right hold me to my life girl and this either i'll or and hold me to my life girl and make things right that sounds best i think or I'll make things right. Anyway, that was the lines that I understood. Yeah. Um, so then you go from that to like a little breakdown where it's just piano chords and him and the backing vocalist doing the chorus line. First cut is the deepest. And then it kind of outros, right? Like it gets that like, yeah. do, 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 you know, that pretty solid syndrome. And then uh, kind of does that for a while. There's a bit of ad libbing. He says, how could you do this to me? At one point, yeah. Um, and yeah, that's that's kind of it. Yeah, and that that one still plays because he, I mean, it, he's theoretically talking to somebody else, but you know, maybe while he's processing these feelings, that comes out. You know, how could you yeah, do this to me? More stuff. He's just not not talking to the same person, but he's still hurt. Still hurt. He's hurting. Um, and of course, there's a music video with this as well. Yeah, which is there is a music video for this. Predominantly, just like people walking through a black and white city. Him and this woman in a like a like a like a blanket fort. There's just like a lot of blankets everywhere. Yeah, there's blankets, and oh, what's I mean? Some of them are walls. Yeah, or like so. What happens at the end is it turns out I don't know why they show us this at the end, but that whole blanket fort is on a rooftop. Mm-hmm. And then it's it's like a you know it's like a three quarters like it's a stage set or something, but are we supposed to gather that he's like homeless or that uh, it was all shot on a roof? Is it just like a break? I'm very confused by why just we hanging get out on a roof. They accidentally put the the final pull away into the video, or maybe it's because we get all these harsh cuts of the city so that we find out that this seemingly beautiful horny. Uh, citrus-based love. There's also a lot of shots of like oranges being eaten. Right. It's probably supposed is. to look like all exotic and stuff, right? Mm-hmm. It's like, look, there's fabric on the walls. <laughs> yeah. It's like a movie. So- but then it's like, oh, we're just in like some city in Sweden or whatever. 
yeah, some Swedish city that we've been seeing in black and white with this woman rocking around with a briefcase. So is it supposed to be like he's still caught in the in the wasteland that is maybe his past love? Uh, yeah, like and knives and the new person will maybe kind of make him forget, but like the reality is still around them. Yeah, could be some symbolism. Maybe. I could see that. So yeah, it's basically shots of them being super intimate um, and eating sucking fruits. on knives and stuff, eating fruit. Him singing into a microphone sometimes. Yeah, him singing on a microphone and then shots of the black and white city where people are walking around. Lonely people. There's usually only one person in the shot. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. It's, it's very uh, much like his vocal performance and some of the stylings of the song itself. This music video also feels like a, a slice in 1995 or 96. Yeah, it's it's very of, of its time. Yeah. By no fault of its own. By no fault. Like some things are of their time in a way that feels and gross or bad or dated. Yeah. This one makes me smile. I'm like, oh, fuck yeah. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Remember 1996? I don't. I don't, but I imagine <laughs> it felt a little something like this. Like this. Actually, I mean, I don't have explicit memories of 96, but I have vague memories of before my brother was born in 97, so... Okay, fair enough. Probably do have them. Yeah, but my memories of pop culture in 96? Yeah, Nothing. I don't remember Swedish pop songs. No, not even a little bit. <laughs> Speaking but of I bands, also I don't, don't remember. remember <laughs> hey. <laughs> Bonfire in 1997. <laughs> That's right. The German heavy metal band founded yeah. by a man named Hans Ziller. This isn't a super heavy version. Here's Yeah. Here's one I think I can I think I can summarize this version in like not much time. Give it to me. Um there's basically two parts to this. Mm-hmm. There's the intro, and I thought the intro sounded really cool, which is probably the reason. I put this on this list. That sounds like and then the once the intro ends, it becomes like really generic, vaguely heavy pop rock. Yes. And that's pretty much it. That's it's pretty much disappointing. It. See, it opens with like a sitar. Yeah, it's very like Beatles in the mm-hmm. intro because you get this guitar and you get like harmonized vocals. Yeah. In and ways like, that are very, like, within you, without you kind of Yes, thing. it's very dreamy Beatles songs. Little Strawberry Fields Forever, maybe. Yeah. And then suddenly they're like, what if we were discount Def Leppard suddenly? I'm like, wait a minute. Yeah. That's not what I signed on for. And then just it's like just the that. cheapest chugging power chords and, yeah. like, nothing plays as well. They set up such a cool space in the intro, and I wouldn't even be mad if they actually went heavy metal on this, but they give us this lackluster like power rock. Yeah. And it's just kind of bland. Yeah. Truly um, boring. This is the one where that sounds more like Get Off My Cloud. And I okay. kind of liked, honestly, the two things I liked, which is the sitar, and then that other bright guitar they kind of have in the background that plays that bit. Oh yeah. yeah. Yes, I would say those are the parts of the song I liked. But not it's not it's not that much. It's not enough. Yeah. 
It really is not. There's, I think it was Ashes to Ashes when I was putting the playlist together. There was so many versions that had like a killer intro. I was like, oh, fuck, this is going to be a really cool song. And then it was basically just this afterwards. It was like the <laughs> plainest version you could think of. You're like, well, what, the, what happened? Yeah, I would like to know. I guess, I mean, I think this is very Rod Stewart-like because they just have kind of a random intro and then really follow the Rod Stewart version more or less because it's a similar yeah, case to that in delivery. Um, yeah. And the guitar solo has some similarities. It's not the same or anything, but there's right. some similarities. Right, but it's, it's, it's structured longer, after yeah. that. Similar but I'll say this, of, I yeah. like the Rod Stewart version. <laughs> yeah, it seems to be a bit stronger certainly than this. Um, but yeah, not, not a fan of this one. And I don't really have much else to say because that's pretty much all it is. No. It's so just let's... that that chugging guitar let's move on to the final commercial hit we're going to talk about yep uh with cheryl crow in 2003 cheryl crow famous singer she's she's a little bit country she's a little bit rock and roll a little bit rock and roll (laughs) Is that her song? Did I just... No, I don't think so. I don't think so. that? I don't even know what that's Yeah, she's a little bit country. Kind of like pop country. Definitely, you know, I've I've heard quite a bit of Sheryl Crow uh, just from growing up around. Yeah, she was big in... And she was on the radio. Yeah. I'm going to soak up the sun, you know, all that. Yeah, soak up the sun. All I want to do, if it makes you happy... Donnie her cover of Sweet Child of Mine. I don't know. I've never heard that, but apparently it's one of her big ones. <laughs> she have a cover of Sweet Child of Mine? I'm just looking at her top popular ones on Spotify. Looks like it. Huh. Yeah, she does. Hey. Yeah. Um, but yeah, she has that real like American sweetheart vibe to her, and that is kind of yeah. what she banks on here. That's for sure a thing. Um, I didn't think, I mean, it's really like kind of a countryification. Yeah, of the Rod 100%. Stewart version. Um, in that it's still got that ballad thing going on, and she never goes like super hard when she's singing it or anything. Like they do in the Houston mm-hmm. Cat Stevens and the PP Arnold versions. Um, and like it's it's just kind of moved to the acoustic guitar, you know? Yeah. So if you if you like Cheryl Crow, this is her singing it. Um Mm-hmm. I will say it does end up pretty big though later on, I guess. Yeah, it does end up big. Um, and in terms of what she brings to the song, like emotively, she's really focusing on the like the the rising from the ashes of the last relationship. Whereas Rod Stewart focused on the hurt. She because she even ends with the she line "Try to love place. again." That's so it's true. like she's more hopeful, and mm-hmm. it's definitely not like the bonfire version, which was just boring. That's exactly right. Um, she's got her own thing going on. She does a pretty good job of it. Yeah. Like, she's got that vulnerability in her voice that I think plays well with the acoustic take on the song. Again, that sort of American sweetheart feel to her. A little country, a little bit vulnerable. Yeah. And and uh, she nails it. Yeah. So, that's what it's got. I wish mm-hmm. I don't have too much... More to say than that. It's pretty bare bones. I think she. Yeah. I think she does a good job. Like it was a commercial success. Obviously, I guess she to did a good its job. credit, like she doesn't mm-hmm. do that much, but like it works. Yeah, 
it's a solid functional version that that resonated with people you still get strings in the mix um but yeah it is like country pop which is kind of big in the 2003 so yeah and like totally not my wheelhouse <laughs> no not even remotely so like it seems like she probably did a pretty good job yeah seems reasonable i i can't think of a reason why it would be a poor job because we just listened to one that was a poor job and this doesn't seem to be that no it's certainly not that it's it, i think it's really just not to our tastes yeah and i can't falter for that <laughs> i, I can Fucking Cheryl Crow. Get her, Alex. Cater to me. <laughs> um, so there is a music video for this one as well. There is. Um, it has horses. Yeah. If you if you want to talk about the country vibes, she's playing on like a mesa yeah. in the desert here. Yeah. In like, I don't know. The Mojave Desert, maybe. And the Mojave. Maybe she's. She definitely looks like she's wishing for a yeah. nuclear winter. <laughs> <laughs> she could very well be. She's all alone. Um, I guess, you know, under underlining the um, lonely feeling. Yeah. Uh, the song talks about. A lot of it is her playing guitar at us in a variety of different outfits, or maybe just a couple. Um, she's got those flared jeans at one point, which are... She does, which uh, were totally in at the time. The totally in. Um, my big disappointment in this video, I think they could have just... Cause it, and it's only a brief shot. So it's her on her horse and she's got another horse behind her kind of symbolizing her carrying this weight of the first relationship sure in that reflection there and honestly the reflection's not even in shot enough to do it that well but if you had a person in the reflection but not on the horse in the actual you know so in the water he's there but on the horse he's not really there i think that would be a good extra touch that might be kind of cool. also later on we get a shot of her just one horse to kind of signify that Oh, she she is gonna move on, but what happened to that horse? <laughs> so that's our narrative. <laughs> yeah, like I I just I think I needed a shot of the horse being set free, as opposed to just not being there anymore. Yeah, it's being mysteriously missing, and the other horse looks slightly fatter, and <laughs> you know raises some concerns. <laughs> yeah. Other than the disappearing horse. I mean, as far as music videos go, this is the first one that actually had, like, somewhat of a narrative, so way to go. Yeah, way to go. And, of course, yeah, um, when she's returning with that one horse, she's going the other direction, so it's... Yeah, there's, like, symbolism going on. Way to go, yeah. Cheryl Crow. Also, these erotic are. shots of her emerging in the dark from a pool of water. Oh, that's What's going right. on here? She's in, like, a grotto for a bit. Yeah! I don't know what that's all about. <laughs> I guess that's, like, the sadness... Or something. She's still sad yeah, sometimes. Yeah, I, I guess. She's left the other horse behind. And maybe just just cool shots they did, and they're like, well, we gotta use these somewhere. <laughs> we convinced Cheryl Crow to submerse herself in water. In water. Like, we gotta use that. So yeah, it ends on a, uh, on a sunset in the desert. You know, a lot of close-ups on her face. As much as the, the Papa D version was of its era, the Cheryl Crow one feels of its era. Yeah, definitely. It's t- <laughs> a few years later, but yeah. It sounds like a lot of music that I heard in this time frame. In this time frame, yeah. Um, speaking of a guy who I thought was a very... Hang on, let me try this again. This one's very of its time frame. Uh, Billy Valentine is our next guy, 2017. Baby, I'll try The first cut 
thought he was of the the earliest time frame because when you Google this guy, it brings up Billy Valentine, the blues R and B and jazz pianist and singer, who would be ninety six this year. This is not that guy. <laughs> not that guy. Because I, I started listening to this version, I was like, "Holy it's shit, like, he's ninety! Like, yeah, he kind of looks old. <laughs> yeah, it's like he looks I guess old. It is unclear who this is. Oh, he's Brazilian, isn't he? I think he's from the UK. Oh, it does say Brit. Maybe Brazilian soul. born. It does say Brit-eyed soul. Um, yeah. Yeah, I don't know much about this this guy. I went Billy to the Valentine I went to the fella. wrong page. He's got a website. Yeah, and his like bio is kind of tucked in at the bottom of it. It's a not a great website. Yeah, this is him. Vocalist, multi-talented vocalist. And frequenting Los Angeles clubs. Okay, cool. He's a singer. That's what he's he does. A he sings. Um, he's providing our longest version today. Yeah. With I mean, blues, we ta- big blues this, does, this one does have some soul and blues and stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Um, and hand drums. And hand and drums, drum. for sure. This one, I would say, is like the smoothest throughout. Sure thing it is, like yeah. It, it, it's very consistent. Very yes. smooth. And like, the, there's not much separation between the verses and choruses. It's a lot of like rhythm and then like bluesy guitar riffs with him singing. Yeah, that's, that's the summary on it. Um, the, he has these backing vocals, though, that come like maybe halfway through that I think are noteworthy. The ones that go, talking about the first cut. <laughs> they do. Do they say talking about or do they say nothing like? Nothing. I think they start with nothing like. I think later on it might be talking about the first cut. Okay. It's ve- it's very possible they say both. Yeah. Talking about the first cut. So yeah, it's a lot of that. It's a they they keep it smooth. They keep it low. This it feels like you'd see this like you go to a I don't know I guess a bar of some kind. Um, yeah. You'd see this performed just by some person and then like when it ended you'd be like oh shit that was the same song they still going because you would only yeah. be half paying attention because you, you would know, tune you're, out because you're, you're having your conversation <laughs> you're eating your food or whatever yeah exactly this is like dinner lounge music and then, and then they'd play this song for like 12 minutes and you'd be like oh shit How long is this yeah it would be for? like a mellow piano solo followed by mellow guitar solo you know, drawing from the jazz influence or everybody gets a solo. <gasps> yeah, exactly. So that's that's the vibes. On yeah. And then he where he really cuts loose is with his ad libs, where I think he loses track of what this song is about. I says, didn't really some, someone even <laughs> listen to his ad libs. <laughs> I know, yeah. I there are lots your description, of description, why would you? It's like when someone loves you like I do, it hurts so bad. Okay. We're, who are you talking? Is he singing this to his ex at this point? Is yeah, he... I guess that is. It's a little questionable. Who is he talking to? And then is he talking about know? like he will give them such a love? Like it's, it's it's very strange to me. Is he still like trying to get his ex back? Yeah, I don't know. So then is he not moving on? He was lying. Is he a liar? Is Billy Valentine a liar? Sorry, liar? I my mic. Well, yeah, he's Sorry, he's Mike. trying to steal the old Billy Valentine's valor. So. <laughs> 
Need to eat his heart or something. I don't know. Yeah, I'm pretty sure he's a war criminal. And yeah, this version is passable. I would say, whereas the bonfire version is bad on account of being bad, this one is just like it has a take. The take is just not. Yeah, working. you know, I I didn't have much of, a, of an issue with this one, but again, like I said, didn't really pay attention to a lot of the ad libbing. Like it would just kind of faded into the background. It all kind of blended together. Yeah, and you I think that's kind of what happened. Voice, with this I one. guess. Than what he's you can saying. kind of yeah, if you can kind of like get lost in this one, it's decent. But like I said, you're definitely like, oh shit, it's still going. Like, <laughs> yeah, I, uh, that's definitely a moment I had with the notes where I was like, yeah. and I looked over the timer. I'm like, fuck, it's still got a lot of time. All right. <laughs> and yeah, it doesn't really develop a whole lot over the course of it, and it's not doing anything in a hurry, which is maybe relevant because like it's kind of like wallowing in the pain more so. But like you said, that's maybe not totally in line with the song. Yeah. Like, it, it does feel like it's off. stuck there as opposed to, and now we're going to move on and try to love again. Yeah. Wallowing is the word for it, because I think it does that both musically and perhaps in its lyrical interpretation. Yeah. Because the whole song almost sounds like an ad lib. <laughs> it does. It does. But that's because the whole thing kind of sounds like the same, like, like it's very consistent. Yeah. Uh, which is, isn't always a bad thing, but yeah. it's not the most exciting thing. Yeah. But what is exciting is we're getting to our final verdicts right now. We are. We got three categories today. We've got the worst version, the best version, and the version that you most believe, or if somebody played it for you, or if you played it for somebody, kind of interpret this, you know, however you will, you most believe that person is ready to love again. You know, who's the least hung up on their ex? Who's That's ready? The third okay. Category. Who's ready? Um, Alex, worst version, why is it Bonfire? Why is it Bonfire? Because the Bonfire ber- version is just kind of boring, and it's like a bad version of a style of music that I'm like only kind of into. Right. And, uh, but the worst thing it does, worse than that, is that it almost seems like it might be interesting off the bat, and then it, it is tricks you. It's, it's a liar. It it's is a dishonest. liar. And this is a very honest song. This is a song about honesty at its core. And they lied about it. And I, 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 it's not okay. We don't tolerate liars on this show. So yeah, Bonfire. Worst version. Um, Alex, best version. What's the best version? <sighs> I really liked the D-Faction version. I think I'm going to give it to D-Faction. That's a, that's a wild take. I like that. Yeah, I just um, I yeah. kind of like, liked grooving along to it. You know? It's a good time. Yeah. Even though it like didn't have any of the lyrics and it's mostly just like a I guess dub groove. I don't even yeah, know. Yeah, just like a jam track. Yeah. <laughs> so that's it's good. a good old reggae time. Yeah, I'm gonna go for more of a good old raga time because I'm giving it to Papa D. <laughs> yeah, right on. I think from like front to back, the version that made me most excited was the Papa D one. I was like, Yeah, this is good. Yeah, it had some good stuff. I think it had some good some good licks in it too that it added. Mm-hmm. Good elements. Good elements, yeah. I think it's tight. I th- fuck yeah. I think both of those are great. Um, mm. I think a lot of these covers are pretty good, though, for the most part. Yeah. I mean, obviously, big Yusuf Cat Stevens, uh, or yeah. reasonably large Yusuf Cat Stevens fan. I'll throw on T for the Taylor Man every once in a while, but I'm oh, not yeah. going to give it to him because I decided I wouldn't, and it's not That's really true. a cover because he wrote it. Because he wrote it, yeah. Because it was out second. So, 
So there. Um, Alex, tell me, though, who's, who's ready to try to love again? Who's ready to try and love again? I feel like... Hmm. I feel like Cat Stevens is ready, but he's like... Or he thinks he is ready. Mm. The most. But the second verse is maybe a little, like, telling that as triumphant as he feels, he might not be totally right. Right. But I think he's definitely, definitely thinks he's ready. And uh, that's who I'm going to give it to. Okay, yeah, he's definitely, he's got the gusto. It's, it's, but is that yes. going to take him? Yeah, Damn. I don't know if he's going to succeed because of yeah. that. It's a little questionable. I think for me, it's a toss-up between Rod Stewart and Sheryl Crow. That's true. I mean, Sheryl Crow did heavily imply through the music video yes, that she was that ready. she's ready. And she ends it on the line, try to love again. She says, try to love again. So she has like a mission statement, and she's taking yeah. that with her. But I also like the Rod Stewart mission of when it comes to being in love, she's first. That's a big step to say like, no, she's not first in line for love. True. Unless he's just trying to hide that. Unless it's a skeezy move. It's true, but he is that it does potentially imply that he is willing to put her aside. Yeah. Or he's taken another step. That's it. And so I, I feel like that's a bigger step maybe than, than the mantra of trying to love again is to, to take her out of the love chain. People all over the world going to join hands except for my ex. We're going to start a love train. Love everybody, except for you. Sorry. Except for you. <laughs> Sorry. So I'm going to give it to Rod Stewart. He's the most ready, I think. Because he also appreciates the weight of it. I think that's also what Sheryl Crow and Rod Stewart have going for him. They're not, the they're not coming into this guns blazing like Yusuf Cat Stevens and like P.P. Arnold. They're coming into this, you know, they're, they're, they're coming Yeah, a little slower, a little more cautiously, maybe. Yeah. Slow and steady wins the race is what I'm going for. You're going for the, the hair. I'm going for the tortoise. Tails I'm, def- I'm definitely going for the hair. <laughs> that's our final verdicts if you've got a different opinion a similar opinion want to talk about a version we didn't talk about hit us up on twitter hashtag cover me pod at jake the Cressy, at some alex wise guys send us comments questions concerns suggestions for future episodes we are out of theme months now it's gonna be no theme march is the theme for march or is it um so you know hit us up with suggestions for things you'd like us to do uh, rate and review us. We're on Spotify, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, your favorite podcasting apps, your least favorite ones, and all the ones in between. Tell your friends, family, grandparents, which is part of your family, um, youth pastors, tell them all about us. Just the youth <laughs> pastors, not your regular one. Uh, you know, get the word out there because we like to be listened to. That's part of why we do this. Not the big driver, but yeah, it's part of why we do it. And as we always say on Cover Me, When it comes to being lucky, cover me's cursed.